It's in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 3, and verse number 7, and just a portion of that verse. And it says, a time to rend. Uh, and rend as upon the occasion of some great grief that has happened, and the garments have been rended. Uh, and a time to sow. And then again, when the grief is over, it's time to see those things mended that have been torn. And uh, also in the book of Exodus, I want to read to you in Exodus 26 and verse number 1. And uh, uh, the word of the Lord says, Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen. And blue and purple and scarlet with cherubims of cunning work shalt thou make them. Verse 7. And thou shalt make curtains of goat's hair to be a covering upon the tabernacle. Eleven curtains shalt thou make. Fourteen says, And thou shalt make a covering for the tent of ram skins, dried red, and a covering above of badger skins. Chapter 32, verse, five, verse 25. And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun, both of blue and purple and scarlet and of fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hair. I'd like to talk to us today about from the book of Ecclesiastes. It says, a time to sow. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's a time to sow. Time to sow. Amen. And you can be seated after you shake hands with someone today. Sewing pieces together in our lives and the lives of others can be a very challenging task. I have seen my mother, which did not have the ability to sew. <clears throat> I have went to school with patches that uh, were didn't look too good because she was not familiar with that, uh, that task. Uh, I can remember one time she got these big iron-on patches. I remember those, you know. And on my jeans, she'd take that iron, she'd press those patches on, <laughs> on my jeans. But in order to sew pieces together in lives and make an impact upon them, amen, it takes a lot of prayer. And I appreciate what Sister Angie had to say about prayerfully being involved in your kids' lives. But as time to sow, it took me to the tabernacle and the making of the curtains. Man, and I know that all you men are just really thrilled about my title today. <laughs> Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> A time to sow. Amen. But you know, there's this saying that says, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. 
So I'm going to reverse that today. What's good for the gander is good for the goose. Amen. And so they will intertwine, and I'm sure that we'll be able to uh, reach into your lives as well. How many ladies do we have here that sew? Several hands there. How? Oh, got a man. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> I used to know a guy that... Uh, that did the needlework, the crocheting. Yeah, that's what he did. He'd sit on the couch and crochet. <laughs> I said, well, whatever. <laughs> Man. <clears throat> How many of you own a sewing machine? Oh, my goodness. Well, there was a difference there. Some of them that said <laughs> that didn't... didn't <laughs> They didn't raise their hand that they sewed, but they own, they own a sewing machine. <laughs> if you have your sewing machine, report to the dining hall right after service, and we're going to sew up some curtains for the tabernacle. That sound okay? Man. And when I look at uh, Dake's list here uh, of the tabernacle curtains that were being made, they're to make ten fine linen curtains embroidered on them, cherubims of blue and purple and scarlet. Now, you taking notes? You ladies getting all this? Uh, the length of them is going to be 58 feet and 4 inches. Is the dining hall big enough? I have to use it in the parking lot. Okay. <clears throat> and the breadth of them will be 8 foot and 4 inches. Make all the curtains the same size, couple five curtains together at, and the sides, and make uh, a width of four foot and eight inches, and then uh, couple them all together, the five curtains together, making them 41 foot eight inches, and make loops while you're at it of blue and on the edges and each of the five curtains in sections, and then make 50 loops where you can put them all together. You got all that? What a task. <laughs> you used to say, you know, that when ladies made biscuits, you know, they used to say they make them from scratch. <clears throat> but they were making curtains from itch. Itch is before scratch. <laughs> when you make <laughs> biscuits from from itch, you have to go out and raise the wheat <laughs> and, and take care of the wheat and bring the flour home. And then you can start the scratch work. Amen. And that's the task that these ladies had uh, to make the curtains of the tabernacle. What an awesome task that it was. Amen. And uh, as I begin to look at this, I realize, amen, that... Uh, that it was such a task that I can't even imagine how to get started on it. Did everybody get their little gift that I put in your, your mother's gift? Everybody hold one up. Anybody got one? Hold it up. Okay, that's how you're going to start making the curtains. <laughs> it puts it all in perspective, doesn't it? Amen. Starts with a needle and thread. <laughs> and so... You can get started on that. Amen. Uh, I, I had, uh, when uh, I, I got, 
I got a hero status here not too long ago. And uh, I went out and bought Sister Linda a brand new Janome Skyline S3 sewing machine. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? I can't tell you where the on and off switch is. But, and I got her a cabinet for it to go in, you know. All she has to do is pull this thing out, you know, and she's all set up. All of her sewing gear is there. And so I became an instant hero. And so when she's in my office and I'm working in the office there, sometimes I'll just uh, go over to the cabinet, you know, I'll pat it a little bit, say, boy, that is a really nice cabinet that you have. And that's so I can keep my hero status. Because it's easy to lose hero status. And uh, uh, that's been good to me for the last two, maybe three years. I, I can remember one time when we were young, broke, married couple. And uh, I was invited with a preacher, for a, with a preacher pastor at that time, to go on a revival with them. And we went to three states, Georgia and Louisiana, and uh, there was another state that we hit there, Mississippi, I think. And on this trip, the pastor uh, went out and bought his girls and his wife a nice new dress to take home. I was laid off work at that time, and money was pretty tight. And so... Uh, I, uh, I got to thinking about it, and I thought, you know, and then the David Christman ingenuity thing kicked in, you know. So I went to the sewing department of the department store, and I bought a pattern, and I bought the material and the buttons of this nice dress. And so when I come home, instead of a well-put-together dress, I had a pattern and material and everything to make a dress. So Linda made that dress, and I became hero status again. <laughs> Trust me, in 50 years of marriage, I have, I've had that status and lost it numerous times. <laughs> Amen. But uh, let's look at this tabernacle and the coverings and the beauty of the holy place. The coverings were from the inside was white linen with blue and purple and scarlet and embroidered cherubims on the inside. I mean, God was the architect and the designer of this. And he communicated to Moses what that he wanted. And Moses communicated to the folks, to the ladies, what they were to make. <clears throat> Sounds like a good plan for a church, doesn't it? We get the, uh, the information from God, and God instructs the man of God, and the man of God instructs the folks, and we see a plan of God moving in the right direction. And I certainly believe that that process is being repeated here over and over again because I sense that there's a spirit of God that's moving in a mighty way. Could we give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Thank you, Lord. 
Hallelujah. God in his infinite wisdom, amen, he presented the plan to them. And I got to thinking about the church in relationship to this tabernacle. What a beautiful place that it was. But the covering on the outside was a badger skin. Do we have that visual, visual number one? There you go. There's a picture of it. <clears throat> and the last one in the far right corner is a badger skin. If we were just looking at the tabernacle from the outside, <clears throat> it's not too much beauty to behold. And then from the inside, you could not see the goat skin or the ram skins that were dried red. All you could see was the beauty of the linen curtains. And all you could see was the cherubims. And all you could sense was the light from off of the, uh, the lamp and the table of shoe bread and the odor and aroma of the incense from off the altar. Amen. What a beautiful place. But let me tell you, and, and this reflects on what Sister Angie was saying earlier, amen, our kids and our loved ones and our friends are never going to know exactly how powerful and how beautiful the church is until we get them on the inside. Because it's on the inside of the tabernacle that was where everything was happening. Amen. If you, all you see is a bunch of badger skins on the outside, you haven't really reflected on what God has in store for your life. Amen. We got to get them into a pew. We got to get them into the presence of God. They got to feel the beat of the music. Amen. And the power of God that's able to change their lives and motivate them and move them to a higher platform. Amen. Pastor, when you first came in the church, I can remember those days back 20 years ago. My goodness. No wonder I turned 70. You're rolling them over on me. <laughs> Amen. But I guarantee you, when he came into the church, he didn't realize what? he had entered into because the opinions and that that reflected his life he could probably tell you the top 10 on the country charts no doubt <laughs> or he could have told you some other things and his impression of the minister of the church uh, would have been all oh, that guy's after his money he took up three offerings on Sunday you see, from the outside, it doesn't look too good. But to those of us of this precious faith and have found out what's going on on the inside, that our eyes have been opened to the glory and the presence of God. And suddenly, amen, we just look for an opportunity to give in an offering. Amen. We can reflect upon what God has done for our lives and we realize how precious and how glorious the things of God are. Amen. When we look at it from the inside, 
They'll never see it unless that you began to get them to the place where they can rub shoulders with it. Amen. That's why during this recent pandemic, I, I like FaceTime Live and I like to sit at home and in my pajamas and listen to the preachers and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? That doesn't take the place of apostolic worship. Doesn't take the place of rubbing shoulders with the saints of God, seeing the smiles on the faces, being able to shake somebody's hand and feel the love of God, a man that's distributed one to another. Amen. The beauty of the tabernacle was on the inside. And could I tell you, amen, that the church is doing well in uh, the 21st century. I'm telling you, the church uh, is not anemic. The church is not sick. Amen. The church doesn't even have a cold. I'm telling you, the church is alive and well on planet Earth. Amen. And we can feel it in the atmosphere today. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5.27 says that he might present to himself a glorious church. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a glorious church. It's a glorious church with not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I'm telling you, God's church is doing okay. What we need to go do is get with his program and his plan, amen, and back the man of God, amen, and back the plan of God, and everything, amen, will come out all right. Because one of these days, we're going to leave here in a blaze of glory. And he's coming back after his glorious church. And that glorious church, amen, is alive and well on planet earth. And I'm glad to be a part of it. How about you? Could you give the Lord a good wave offering today? If we stepped into this holy place and we seen the flickering of the light stand, the table of shoe bread, the aroma the linen curtains with blue and purple and scarlet with the cherubims displayed on the curtains. It all points. And these ladies, when they were working on this with their pure heart, that's what the scripture says, they had a, their heart was right. They wanted to be there. They wanted to be doing what they're doing. They were pointing us all to what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen. He's my light. He's my bread. Amen. Every worship, every praise is to my God. Hallelujah. Amen. And everything about the inner tabernacle, amen, was about him. And just beyond the veil of the holy place was the holiest of holy. Man, when we get into the church, I believe there's dimensions that we can get above where we're at right now. Don't you? Amen. In the holy place was pretty, pretty special. But there was a place beyond the holy place. There was the holiest 
of holies. Amen. That could, uh, that was just beyond the veil uh, of the temple. Man, you could enjoy all the things of the holy place. But beyond that was the place where the high priest went once a year to sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat. And God said, I'll meet you there above, between the cherubims, above the mercy seat. Amen. To atone your sins for another year. Amen. What a special, amen, time for that priest to go behind that veil and experience that. I believe there's things that you and I can experience when we come into the church and, uh, and we get used to the Pentecostal shout, you know. Man, you may have a shout or a shuffle or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Amen. But you began to enter in, but God has taken you to a place that's far above any of your expectations. You don't even know exactly what God has in store for you. Amen. We just need to follow him and let him lead and guide and direct our lives. It was the Apostle Paul that said he was caught up to a third heaven. And he said whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't, I don't know. But he said, I've seen some things, and they were awesome. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've seen enough of God to know that I want more of him. Amen. I've seen enough to know that he exceeds any expectation that I may have had. Amen. And we uh, need to enter into a place of worship and fellowship with him. Amen. So from the holy place to the holiest of holies, amen, there was a way provided for us, amen, that we could enjoy that. In the book of Matthew 27, 51, the Bible says, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent and twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent, amen. Uh, the physical veil of the temple in Jesus' time was rent in twain. Man, and the people said, maybe this was the Son of God. Surely it was. Amen. But he broke down the wall of petition between Jew and Gentile. Amen. He made a way for every believer, man, to enter into the presence of God. Amen. And we have a high priest now that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Amen. And he is in a place, amen, of authority in our lives. Folks, I'm telling you, the dimensions are far above anything that we could either think, imagine, or do. Could you give him a good hand praise today? And so Jesus made a way that we could enter into that holiest of holies. And we can experience the great things of God. And Matthew 16, 18 says, And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail 
against it. There's an all-out attack on the church. I agree with Sister Angie. The enemy is after our kids. The spirits that are loose in this world, the enemy knows that his time is short and he must work quickly and he's working on our youth. Man, but we have to realize, amen, that we're going to sow some threads of faith and some threads of, of, of the word of God into their life. We're going to sow it into their memory bank. We're going to sow it into their brain so that we, amen, can, can allow God, amen, to work through the faith that we've established in their lives. Amen. It's important for us today, man, as Sister Angie has said, and I'm preaching her message over again, amen, we need to show faithfulness to the house of God. We need to show, amen, that it's the most important thing in our world. There's a reason why the tabernacle was located in the center of the camp, amen. There were three tribes on every side, amen, but uh, uh, in the center was the tabernacle. Amen. I'm telling you today, the church needs to be the center of your world. Amen. And when you make it the center, center of your world, your children can see the effects of the church upon your life. Amen. And then they will be planted in the house of God. Amen. <clears throat> We need to sow threads into their lives that are threads of purity. The linen curtains were made, first of all, from white linen. And uh, the Bible says that linen is as the righteousness of God. It says in the book of Revelations 19.7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife had made herself ready. That's us. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. When you see your little sewing kit, I should have had one up here with me so I could walk around with it. <laughs> When you see in your little sewing kit the white thread, you can be reminded, hey, thank you, throw it to me. Oh, he doesn't trust my ability to catch anymore. I don't trust it much either. <laughs> so when you see the thread that's there, be reminded that I need to be busy sewing something into the lives of my children. White, amen, represents purity, righteousness, amen, things that are pure. Man, let, let me say this, and uh, I guess I'll be okay. The pastor's here. He'll pull my coattail if I get too far out there, amen. But I am his father in the gospel. When you go home and you implement negative things into the life of your children about the church. That's not sewing pure white linen thread into their life. 
If there's a problem, you better take it to Jesus in prayer, not discuss it over the dinner table in front of your children. Because I'm telling you, amen, that one that may be criticized among you may be the very one that is going to pray your child back through from a crisis that's happened in their life. Hallelujah. If there's going to be discussion between husband and wife, let it be done in private and then prayerfully weigh your words because we got to sow good thoughts of the church into our kids. They have to know that this is the right thing for their life. And if there's negative things that are discussed, it will discourage them. And then we need to throw so some blue threads. And blue has always been uh, generally typical of heavenly things or things, uh, heavenly perfection. Man, so we need to sow into our, our kids' lives blue thread that uh, will teach them about the things of the heavens. In other words, we need to let them know from an early age. I mean, you can take a two-year-old and he can hold up one finger. One God. One God. I've seen little guys that will hold their finger up. Amen. They say, and dad would say, what's that stand for? It stands for one God. Amen. He's starting from a young age. Amen. To sow heavenly things into their life. Things, amen, that, that show that here, O Israel, our God, our Lord God is one God. Amen. That Jesus was manifested in the flesh. Amen. That God, amen, is our God and that he is one. The fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. So we throw, we sow the blue thread into their world. White and blue Man, I have some beautiful memories. I have a memory of my mother when I was five or six years old. I don't know exactly. But Brother Chad, my dad worked away. He worked, uh, he worked in the coal mines, and there were no coal mines in Marion where we lived. And he had to drive two hours because he couldn't get away from the coal mines. He loved working in the coal mines. <laughs> and so we lived in Marion, and my mom and I would lay on the bed when I was five or six years old, and we would watch the cars from the bedroom window and, and, and watch the cars until we counted the cars and so forth that when Dad would come home on a Friday evening. But during that time, I can remember my mom talking about the good things of God. She didn't stop telling me about healings that took place. 
and telling me about miracles and telling me about how great that God was. Amen. And the goodness of God. And she would talk to me about her experience, how she received the Holy Ghost and how the presence of God came down upon her and she spoke with tongues and magnified God. What, what could a five-year-old gain from conversations like that? I'm telling you, she was sowing threads into my brain of faith and love toward God. Here I am, 55 or 50 some, 60 some. Ooh, wait a minute. I better get out of them 50s, hadn't I? 65 years later, I'm still talking about the threads that she sewed into my life. And so I had a little, we had a neighbor at that time that was backslidden on the Lord. And I had a little playmate, uh, her daughter, and we played together. And my mom was trying to get the neighbor back in church. And so the little neighbor girl and I was playing and her dog, an old hound dog, got a sore on its eye. And it just kept moving and getting bigger and bigger. And the little girl told me, said, they're going to shoot my dog because of this growth that's on it because they didn't know what it was all about. And so, Brother Matt, I tell my little playing partner, as the mother is listening from the kitchen window, I'm telling the little girl, God can heal your dog. And I began to tell her how God could miraculously heal her dog. I said, all we have to do is, is, is talk to God about this. I said, God can heal that dog. Amen. And the mother is listening to this conversation between two kids about the healing of a dog. And so I ran to my mother and I told her, I said, Mom, I want you to pray for, for this dog. I said, they're going to they're gonna kill it. And I've always had compassion for animals. And I said, they're going to kill this dog. And in tears, I, I told her, I said, and tell God his name is Skippy. Because I want to make sure God got the right dog. Tell God that his name is Skippy. And so mom just, you know, mumbled a little prayer or something, you know. And in a few days later, man, the dog is looking better. And God heals the dog. And the mother goes back to church and gets right with God. And God gets all the glory for everything. But it all started with threads of faith that was sown into my life. Trust me, we need that faith in this hour. Amen. We need to sow purple threads into their lives, that of royalty. They need to know he is the king 
of kings and the Lord of lords. He is my only king. He is the king. Amen. And one of these days, he's coming back after his children. We got to sow those seeds. And you got to live right. And you got to. Uh, you got to do the things that the Word of God says if you're going to be a part of the bride of Christ. we got to sow those seeds uh, of royalty in his inner life, and we have to sow them deeply enough that it will cause them to want a desire to come to the house of God. Because it's in here where they're going to see the glory. And when we sow the threads, it'll bring them to the place of the house of the Lord. And then you're going to sow some seeds, some scarlet threads, amen, that we can realize that it, that speaks of the humanity of Christ. He was, he was more than a man. And he sacrificed and bled and died so that I might have life and I might have it more abundantly. We need to talk about the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. That he, he, he took my sins upon the cross of Calvary and he bore them for that I might have life and might have life more abundantly. We got to sow those threads into their life because it's through those exchanges of a mother to a child that is going to be and impact their life for eternity. Amen. I used to watch Sister Linda when she was sung, and Sister Linda has been such a great inspiration to, uh, to sewing. Uh, she can make anything. She made me a, a, a suit jacket and my mother, when I first got married to Sister Linda, it was her first and last, I know what she said. <laughs> when we first got married, Brother Chad, my mother said, she knows how to sew. <laughs> yeah, she's a keeper. My mother sewed that thread pretty deep 50 years later. <laughs> and... And she's still there. But I used to watch Sister Linda when, when she would stitch things, you know. It, when, you sti when she would stitch, she'd go back and pick up the others where she just stitched. In other words, it wasn't just, well, I'll stitch this and it's over with. You've got to go back and pick up the other stitch and then tie it all together. Because in tying it all together, it makes it more valid. It makes it stronger. And then she would, you know, she'd kind of do this little thing like this, you know. What are you doing? Well, you got to make it tight, but you can't make it pucker. That sounds like delicate work, doesn't it? Hey, that's how delicate it is with our kids, too. We got to intertwine our thread into their lives. And we got, we got to pull it a little bit, amen, to stress the importance of it to let them to know, hey, that, that I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an impression on them, but I don't want it to, uh, to get their jaw out of shape, you know? I don't want to make them mad. Pick your battles. Man, 
and it's weaving these threads into their life that is going to present to them this glorious church. Galatians 4 and 4 says, but when the fullness of time was come, and it's going to come, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that he might receive the adoption of sons. God came to redeem us. And we are put here and God has placed children in our care that we need to sow some threads of power in their life. Amen. I know your parents, Brother Matt. You're no stranger to the needle and thread. My mother used to tell me when I was growing up, she said, son, you can't lie to me. I, I talk to God every day. I can see through that. When you start the first sentence, I, 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 why not? And she would stop me and say, why not go ahead and start with the truth? We can get through this a whole lot easier if you'll just start with the truth. Man. But I have been no stranger to needlework that's been done in my life. And I am so forever grateful. Amen. I know that this is just a token. And it's very, very inexpensive. But it can get you thinking the right thoughts. That I... I need, to be, I need to be about my father's business. I need to be sowing some of these things in my life. And when we get a re revelation of what Jesus has done for us, that needs to be transferred into the lives of our children. Because this thing, if God tarries, it's going to go on. And we have to have kids that can step up and see the same vision that we see that can carry on the duties and responsibility of the church. Thank you, Sister Angie, for stepping up today. I was so very proud. I wanted to get up and just pat you on the back and say, you go, girl. <laughs> because I feel that it was definitely from the heart. Amen. And that it was given to us out of love and care for kids. Amen. So we have our work cut out for us. Amen. The glorious things of God. And I think this is the thrust of my message today that I want you to take home with you. Is the fact that the beauty of the church is on the inside. It's on the inside. That's where... That's, that's where the linen curtains are. That's where the blue and the purple and the scarlet and the cherubims. Can you imagine embroidering cherubims? Man, do we have a, do we have a picture of that? Uh, show those cherubims. I, I gave one on that, on that thumb drive. <clears throat> there you go. Look at the cherubims. Beautiful needlework that was done that... <clears throat> 
It all starts with a little piece of thread and a needle. And God can take it and make something spectacular out of it. And Sister Angie said, and I'm going to close with this if you'd like to stand with me today. Sister Angie said that we just need to point them to the one that has all of the answers. That's what I'm here today for. I'm going to point you to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I wonder if these ladies, as they were sewing all of this together, did they realize that they were pointing to a Jesus that I would come to know and love and that would literally change my life and make something valuable out of me, the imputed righteousness of God that he's allowed me to be ministered to by. Amen. We just need to point them to Jesus. Amen. And when you sew those threads of white and blue and purple and scarlet, you're giving them a platform for greatness. You're giving them beauty for ashes. <laughs> You're giving them the opportunity to excel in life above all those that seemingly are in competition with us. You're protecting them from the enemy. I just heard my son-in-law had preached a very powerful message on Friday night and that he had taken uh, a real stand against teenage suicide and my daughter said the altar was filled with kids it says I've been having thoughts of that in my life folks it's time to sew threads into their life that they know where to turn to. That they know the church is capable of taking care of their soul and presenting them before Him blameless. Amen. So I point you to Jesus. Keep your little sewing kit. Men, if you want a little sewing kit, I don't know if I have enough for all the men, but I don't know if it's the manly thing to do or not, but probably not. But I think this is a powerful word for all of our lives. If we don't sow them into their lives, it may turn out badly, but we're going to point them to Jesus. Amen. Lift your hands to the Lord one more time. Amen. Could we pray one for another? Could we pray for all of our mothers? Amen. Could we pray for our children? Oh, God, help me, Lord. I don't know exactly how to approach this, God, but I, I'm depending on you. Lord, you help me, Lord.